Hello second years, welcome to your next podcast. This one's all going to be about Aristophanes' play Wasps. This corresponds to pages 22 to 31 in your source books and refers to the lines in the play being 471 to 712, 824 to 862 and 891 to 994. This PowerPoint and podcast is subtitled Aristophanes makes fun of the law courts and surprise surprise, demagogues. Now, wasps is essentially all about the court system and making fun of the court system. So it makes sense to remind ourselves about some of the key points about the decasteria before we look at the play itself. Remember, it is up to a private citizen to make a charge against someone and there are two different charges. The DK, which is a private matter. This could be something like a dispute between farmers or murder. The second type is a graphe, a crime that affected not just one individual, but one that had an effect on the whole polis and community. This might include misuse of public funds, military incompetence, and also rather randomly, the mistreatment of orphans. A graphe could also be put forward to, during a magistrate's Athuna, which is essentially his end-of-term ex-interview. This means the law courts held to account the other organs of democracy, making it super important. Now, in a law court, there are no judges or professional lawyers. We would have one magistrate that would act as the court chairman, but he was just an administrator. He had no power. Defendant and accuser spoke for themselves and may have had some supporting speakers. Those wealthy enough, though, could hire speechwriters. Speeches were timed and cases were heard and judgments made on the same day, meaning that sometimes you'd have several private DK cases being heard in one day. When witnesses were called, there was no cross-examination, i.e. nobody could then speak to them and have a go at them or try and pick holes in what they'd said, and evidence from slaves could only be accepted if they had been tortured first, the belief being that a slave would inherently lie unless he was in fear for his life. A person's character could also be called into question, even if it wasn't relevant to the case. Previous convictions and trials could be revealed, as well as embarrassing stories revealed, or even just salacious gossip. Sometimes people just made stuff up to discredit their opponents. It was up to the jurors or decasts to make up their mind if they believed the stories or not. However, this did work both ways. So while you could attack someone's character, you could also uh, play on jurors' sympathies by arranging for your families to come in and cry in their faces or have them dressed in mourning clothes or just straight up try and bribe them through the idea of liturgies. So let's think about the decasts because this is what the play Wasp is going to focus on. Jurors acted as both judge and jury and they had to be citizens over the age of 30. Remember, a citizen is an Athenian male at this point, with both mum and dad being Athenian citizens, and they had to be over the age of 30. Pay for jurors under Pericles was set at two obols a day, and under Cleon that increased to three obols a day. This was not a lot of money, and may have skewed juries containing mostly then the elderly, poor or unemployed, and so was sometimes seen as unrepresentative of the wider Athenian citizen body. At the beginning of each year, volunteers presented themselves to their tribal council and each tribe chose 600 decasts by lot, making a total potential jury pool of 6,000, which is about one-fifth of the Athenian citizen population, the total Athenian citizens being at about 30,000. Trials took place every day, bar festival days, and when the assembly sat, which amounted to 
between 150 to 200 days of the year where you'd have a jury-in session. A decast could choose which days he wanted to sit in by simply turning up early on the day. And when I mean early, I mean like dawn early, because at dawn on that day, an order was published of the trials and those jurors who wanted that day to sit in a jury would be selected using a complex system of what is essentially owl tokens and allotment machines. You don't need to worry about the details of that. Essentially, this system is another example of sortation that was there to help guard against jury tampering and corruption. Now, minor cases would have about 201 jurors, while more serious cases would see juries of 401, 501. We even have evidence of a jury having 1,501 jurors. They were always odd numbers, so they could never be a tie. There was always a judgment. And again, these large juries were a way to try and combat corruption. After the speeches from the defendant and accuser, the case went straight to a vote with no formal discussion between jurors. Now, there is a weakness to this particular system. There is no recourse to previous cases. You can't go back and have a look at previous cases that may have similarities, nor is there any guidance on how to vote. And jurors essentially needed little to no knowledge of the law at all. So there is a danger that court cases were little more than popularity contests. So, how do you vote? As each jury left the court, they would drop a pebble, which later became a disc called an axle, into the ballot box. And if it was the pebble system, it was white for innocent and black for guilty. And it was a majority vote was all that was required for a verdict. Now, if a defendant was found guilty, he then awaited punishment, which would be almost instantaneous. The Athenians didn't rely on imprisonment, as they considered it an unnecessary burden on the state. And most crimes had fixed penalties anyway, the most common being fines. But we also saw loss of citizenship, confiscation of property, exile and even death, most notably for us, Socrates in 399. If there was no fixed penalty for the crime convicted of, the trial went to a second stage when each side had to submit a plea for punishment. Essentially, the accuser and defendant would then go, this is what punishment I think I should have. Once these pleas were heard, each juror scratched a line on his tablet and these tablets were made of wax. A long line favoured the higher penalty, a shorter line for the lighter penalty. And again, it was the majority rules. So that's our basic background on the law courts. Hopefully some of that would be familiar to you. Now we're going to be focusing on the play itself, Wasps. Now before we discuss the overview of the play, it's also worth noting and talking about the impact on pay on jurors. The introduction of pay for jurors and later assembly attendance radically changed the political position of the poor. Now they had the chance to get involved in politics and were incentivised to do so, especially when pay was increased under Cleon to three obols a day. As we've said, it's not a lot of money, but it's enough to survive on. Where they had once been indebted to the nobles, now it seemed they were grateful towards the politicians who supported the pay for political office. And Aristotle actually argued that Pericles originally bought in this pay for this exact reason, so he could be more popular with the demos. So what is Wasps about? So Wasps tells the story of a man named Philicleon, and his name literally means Cleon lover, who has become obsessed with serving on juries, and how his son Bidicleon, which means Cleon hater, attempts to cure him of his addiction. It has as its chorus a group of old men who love being on the jury as much as Philicleon. Bidicleon argues that he is wrong to sit on juries. 
The chorus of old men, the wasps that give the play its name, accuse Bidicleon of being anti-democratic when he suggests there is a connection between jury pay and politics. They go far, so far as to say that he is pro-Spartan and an enemy of the people. He replies that these charges are typical of those who are pro-democracy. Anyone suggesting a change to the system is instantly dismissed and discredited. So, the first section we have is the debate. Bidicleon eventually gets his father to debate about serving on juries. This is after the most incredible opening of any comedy I've read, where Philicleon tries to escape the house that he's been uh, put under house arrest in by his son. He tries to leave the house in various ways, uh, one by pretending to be a puff of smoke, and the second and my most favourite, trying to leave the house with his head up a donkey's ass. So once that's out of the way, uh, they have the debate. Bidicleon claims that he will show that those who serve on juries are slaves, even if they do get paid. The chorus will, of course, serve as the jury to this debate, and they encourage Philicleon to win and ask him to use every oratory trick at his disposal. In Greek plays, this debate section is called the Aegon. So what does Philicleon say in his Aegon? This is a summation. He says... The juror has the power of absolute sovereignty. They are like kings, pampered and feared, not ignored, which they would be otherwise as they are old and are supplicated. Jurors can do what they want and make promises they do not intend to keep. Jury service is entertaining. Jurors get to see naked boys and get free concerts, so lots of perks of the job. Juries are bribed shamelessly. Jurors are not held accountable cases for heiresses and everything comes through the jury courts. They are in charge, not the assembly or the ball. Jurors are under Cleon's protection, and the rise to three obols a day makes them super popular at home. So, Philicleon essentially just goes through a list of the advantages of being a juror, something you might find reminiscent with the old oligarch. He emphasises the power he feels, how the wealthy are forced to grovel and offer him bribes, and how popular it makes him at home. His approach is self-serving and uninterested in justice. He also refers to the political power he now has and how as such even Cleon has respect for him. But mostly he cares about how much he's respected at home and compares his power to that of Zeus and notably says that not the guilty but the rich and powerful are now scared of him. Bitter Cleon's case is a lot more fact-based. He starts off by saying that jurors only get paid three obols a day when the city makes on average 12 million drachma. He's saying that jury pay in total is only 10% and that essentially Cleon is skimming. No one takes them seriously because of how they behave being paid so little, whereas more important people get all the good stuff and proper bribes. And here he's really talking about um, ambassadors and embassies and foreign envoys. Prosecutors still get his fee of one drachma as well as bribes, but jurors only get paid if they turn up. Prosecutors change your mind and work hard not for justice and get what they want, not actually what the jury might want. And he then goes on to say that they should be treated better because they're in charge of the empire. Instead, they are used to score political victories and are no better than a trained animal. It could be better of... Wealth was better, better distributed. He's essentially saying there's no equality. Jurors shouldn't have to work for their pay as they help win the Greco-Persian war run the Troyes. Therefore, they are slaves, working twice as hard for their money, and that essentially they are ultimately being disrespected. So, Bidicleon's reply points out that Philicleon and his fellow jurors are being manipulated by Cleon and other demagogues. 
He's saying it's the leading politicians that get the real benefits of empire, giving just a tiny fraction to the poor, who deserve so much more as they were rowers and oarsmen who got Athens to be an empire in the first place. This obviously references the Greco-Persian War, specifically the Battle of Salamis, which led to the Delian League, which led to Athens becoming a thalassocracy, which led to Athens becoming an empire. Their desperation for just three obols means that they will do whatever the demagogues want and trials either a stitch-up between the defence and prosecution, i.e. they've already worked out what they want, or a way for politicians to attack their enemies. They are being kept so desperate due to poverty, precisely so they can be manipulated. Essentially, Bidicleon wins the Aegon, despite the fact the wasps are aghast that he has, but his father is still obsessed with sitting on the jury. So Bidicleon sets up a trial at home for his father to get over this affliction, which leads us to the trial of the dog. So what is this trial about? The case is between two dogs over the theft of cheese from the kitchen. You have the dog of Caedathenium, who is prosecuting Larbes of Axione. In court, the prosecutor and defendant were referred to by their name and deem of origin. Now, the names have been specifically chosen. There are allusions here. In Greek, the word Larbes means snatcher. It also sounds really similar to Laches. Larbes' theft of Sicilian cheese alludes to a real-life event when a man named Larches uh, supposedly misappropriated public funds while on tour in Sicily. In Greek, Cleon's name is phonetically close to the word dog, Cuon, and Cleon himself called himself the watchdog of Athens. Yes, he is the type of person that gives himself his own nickname. Therefore, Cleon and Labes are allusions for Cleon and Larches. Now, the trial plays out with Philocleon siding with Cleon. He clearly mocks Cleon throughout. Larbes then comes up to defend himself but gets tongue-tied, so Bidder Cleon does it for him. He then calls to the stand a range of implements, including a cheese grater, and here things get very, very surreal. Bidder Cleon then attempts to elicit sympathy for Larbes, talking about what a good dog he is, while the other dog stays at home and does nothing. Essentially, what we have here is... Uh, Aristophanes mocking the practice or court practice by getting Bidicleon to avoid mentioning the charge altogether, the fact that the cheese was stolen, and instead emphasised the defendant's positive qualities, even though they have no bearing on the case. He also tries to obtain sympathy by saying the dog never had a chance because he never had a proper education. Aristophanes then satirises the practice in court of bringing out relatives and friends of the defendant to elicit the jury's sympathies. He does this by bringing out a litter of puppies. So how does the case end? The case ends with Bidicleon tricking Philicleon into voting for the dog's acquittal. Keeping with the surreal nature of the case, Philicleon asks what the verdict is, even though he's the only juror. And on finding out he has voted not guilty for the first time in his professional jury career, he collapses to the floor. So now we've had a look at the Aegon and the debate section, I want to take you just through a couple of ways of how you might be able to use wasps in an exam. Uh, so, for example, material from wasps as well as knights and peace shows Aristophanes' belief that demagogues subvert democracy to their own ends. Aristophanes' views of Cleon and the other demagogues of whom he disapproves, the influence of Cleon on the jury courts, including the benefits or drawbacks of the payment system, criticism of the jury courts and corruption in public life. 
You can also talk about and should talk about how much of a personal grudge she has against this one particular politician, that being Cleon, and how much he feels the people are being misled by demagogues. He tends to criticise politicians and other individuals for personal foibles or characteristics and doesn't tend to mention rather specific policies. He really talks about the exploitation of the jury system, as well as the motivation of those who claim allowances, but also is talking about the exploitation of the poorer elements of society, particularly the old men, and how there is, in general, a lack of common sense. So in terms of analysis, what type of things could we talk about? Aristophanes' plays needed to be popular and appealing to the majority, and so might better reflect popular views and ideas. Remember, he's trying to win a competition. Aristophanes attacks both named politicians and classes or groups of politicians making specific charges. It's a bit like watching a comedy sketch show and then making fun of the politician or celebrity who's made a mistake of the day. It's exactly the same idea. It's also worth mentioning that the attacks are personal in tone, but they also don't tend to have a lasting effect. Aristophanes' criticisms of Cleon have no effect on him as a politician. Cleon, in fact, keeps being re-elected as a strategoi. And there is no evidence of any policy changes in Athens as a result of any of his plays. Therefore, we could ask ourselves the question, are Aristophanes' criticisms more a criticism of the exploitation of the institutions by specific individuals than a criticism of democracy himself? He is writing satire, which means he can take advantage of some kind of democratic freedom, i.e. if he was living in a oligarchy or, or a monarchy, he wouldn't be able to do what he's doing. He'd be shut down. And remember, while he is writing to educate, his main purpose is to write to amuse. This has been a super long PowerPoint on Aristophanes focusing on wasps, and I hope you have found it useful. Thank you.